Welcome to Conversations on Wealth, a podcast series that explores financial complexities and modern strategies for the discerning investor. Brought to you by Ropan Financial Services. Now to our host. Hello and welcome to Conversations on Wealth, presented by Ropan Financial Services. My name is John Calabro and I'm the host of this new podcast series. Um, we are hoping to discuss financial planning, wealth management, and all matters financial with people who know. Uh, I have with me today Rodney Gillum and Jason Ponotsotile, who are the founders of Ropan Financial Services. Guys, you want to introduce yourself and say hello quickly? Yeah. Hi, John. Um, thanks for having us in today and discuss all things wealth. Thanks, John. Great invitation and uh, good to be part of the journey. Excellent. So we had some discussions as a, as a trio and we all agreed that um, there's a lot of misinformation out there about how to manage your wealth or grow your wealth or manage things like your super or investments in shares and so on and so forth. It matters to everybody. It's important to everybody. It's something that everyone needs to, I suppose, keep their heads around and get some strategies behind. And who else but uh, some financial planners who have you know, I guess collectively decades in, in the game um, to get that information from. So in this podcast series that we've got coming up, we want to cover off some of these things and um, provide some information. And from one to another, we'll, we'll share in Jason and Roddy's knowledge and we'll discuss some strategies and some techniques to, I guess, uh, give people some guidance and, and, and some insight as to better ways to do things and some interesting strategies that might be worth considering. So as this is our first podcast, I think there's no better time than now to introduce the, the background and the history of these guys and, and the knowledge that they bring. Uh, Rodney, do you want to tell us a little bit about the history of the, of the business? Yeah, Ropam was founded in 2001 and Jason and I met at one of the, the local um, bank branches. So we were with ANZ Wealth at the time and uh, we were there for two or three years uh, together and built up the the branch network across Gippsland really well and um, we decided though that we thought setting up our own wealth business um, would be a good long-term proposition and provide a bit of security uh, not just for our clients but also for ourselves in sort of living and enjoying the the country lifestyle down here in uh, Gippsland. Jason can you share with the listeners a little bit more about the type of things and services that Ropan offers and I guess the advice that you can share, what kind of scenarios might be suitable for someone like yourself? Sure. Uh, there's a number of different scenarios and I think the better part is all these things happen with time and over stages. So people will commence to think about growing wealth perhaps uh, and start to engage professional discussions in regard to what ways that can be achieved. And like a lot of things, once you start committing pen to paper, the plan starts to evolve and then you become clear on the direction you're trying to take and through that some of the strategies are born and some of the tactics can then be applied with regard to the strategies that are that are born through that process i suppose to no two people or no two couples or no two groups are really ever in the same situation are they you've got people starting a family or you might have business owners or you might have investors or retirees i suppose there's so many different needs and times in people's lives when advice is sought tell us a little bit about some of your experiences 
Yeah, it's a good point you raised, John. And, and I think the advice process is different for different people in terms of what they're looking for as well. Like some, some people out there are, are fairly self-directed and probably like the control of doing things themselves, but occasionally they might like a top-up of information just to help clarify a situation they might be dealing with. And that's where they might consult with a financial advisor or an investment advisor or, or even their trusted accountant or solicitor. But there are others that are looking for a, a little bit more of a full service experience where they may have carried the, the burden of responsibility of their finances for a number of years. And we do see that, that weight come off people's shoulders where they, they come in and they basically pass across their folder of information and say, look, you take over, you provide the advice and, and um, you know, we'll obviously look at it and make sure that they're comfortable with the advice. And I think that... Um, lifting that weight off the shoulder is really important for some people and um, we probably see that for those that are building up towards retirement and maybe those that are moving into retirement but there's definitely more awareness around the value of finances and especially we come out of the COVID situation at the moment I think a lot of people were fearful initially when COVID come through the share market dropped 30 40 percent within within weeks and i think people were very fearful but then all of a sudden we saw it change and the share market bounced back up and we'd probably call that a v-shaped recovery we've seen real estate particularly in the regional areas coastal areas there's been a huge capital growth and demand for that type of property as well um i had a client today reach out looking for some rental accommodation down in painesville on the uh, the coastal area so Things can change quite quickly and I think that's where there's value of advice and that's where some people are, are definitely looking for that full service. But but like we said, there are some people that uh, are self-directed as well and there's nothing wrong with that as well, but providing there's consistency um, overall with the approach. Thanks, Rodney. Uh, consistency is an interesting issue. Um, when it comes to finance and, and planning and strategy, how often are you finding people are coming in with a self-created strategy that really is very exemplary of someone who's, say, gone from one thing to another, heard the hype about something, bought into this, three years later, four years later, heard something else, and their strategy's a bit all over the place. Jason, can you tell me about some scenarios when, or I guess some tactics you might apply when you know someone presents themselves and they've got all these financial vehicles at play that really don't work well together? It's a good point, John, and I think it comes down to the cycle that people are going through. On the one hand, they might be trying to grow their wealth. On the other hand, they might be trying to preserve it. Uh, and in other instances, they might be trying to transition that wealth. And by and large, uh, all of that's achievable in varying different ways. But we find generally, if people are doing what you're suggesting, they're going with one theme and then one trend and then changing out of that trend, going into another trend, it's incumbent upon the advisors to really sit down with those clients and walk through and work through what it is they're really trying to achieve. Because the financial goal might be one aspect, uh, but the other aspect may be up freeing time. And what better way to free up time than to seek the counsel and advice of a professional in that particular field. Uh, and that's where the advisors in our sector come into play. Keeping the clients on track and keeping them forward thinking in regard to what it is they're trying to achieve. You've seen many scenarios where people have come from other advisors and and you know the other advisors have literally just thrown them down the rabbit hole each time or just bought into the hype and said yep go for that and then they've found themselves in scenarios 
pretty deep where it was a bit hard to unravel? I think, John, I think if if a client's had advice um, from other, other professional groups, there's probably some good direction and some relative consistency against performance benchmarks like be at the ASX average performance. We probably see maybe those clients that have invested in share portfolios and maybe where they haven't consistently reviewed those portfolios, the the companies can certainly get out of get out of whack in terms of their performance to the different benchmarks. So for example, back in the early two thousands there might have been companies like Crown Resorts, uh, Crown Casino, things like maybe Tab Corp, some of the newspaper groups. And back in the day they were a fairly popular investment choice, but if we now look ten or fifteen years on, they've grossly underperformed the benchmarks in terms of the overall ASX, but also um, just compared to other industries, whereas we, we look at some companies and some stocks that we recommended in the early 2000s, like, say, ResMed, uh, CSL, Cochlear, they're, they're really uh, global growth stories that have really stood the test of time and had immense levels of growth. So it's one of those things, if, if we buy an investment and just sit and forget, put it in the bottom drawer, over the long term, you can really miss out on that that performance. So, so that... That's certainly an area that, that uh, investors can be caught out is direct shares. And we might even see things like, you know, cryptocurrency at the moment. Even locally, there's been a lot of talk and, and globally about cryptocurrency in recent weeks. But for those that if they if they went in and bought into that particular market at the peak of that market, already we've seen probably things like Bitcoin and dogecoin and those sorts of things is it doge or is it dodge or but um but there's been huge drops already so if you went and invested 50 or a hundred thousand dollars into those markets and you're now down fifty thousand for example you know that's equivalent to a five percent drop if if overall you've got a million dollar portfolio in place so and for those that if they're starting out and they've invested a hundred thousand well they've just lost fifty percent of their their life savings so for maybe the younger investors so I think that's a big one, and Jason raises it. You know, seeking professional counsel and and that consistency to approach. There's there's no doubt. And now that we've been in our own practice for for twenty years, we're definitely seeing those that have stuck to a strategy and those that have maybe come in and out of those different investment markets. I'm curious about this conversation around advice from other professionals and other advisors, because. If you are a, an earner or if you're a business owner um, or if you're even young and you're just starting out and you're starting to make some money, there's a lot of advice coming to people from a lot of different angles, isn't there? We've got accountants. We might have a wealthy uncle or father or auntie figure or a, a boss. Um, we've also got you, you know someone who's setting up your super. It might be an industry fund. There's a lot of people with a lot of opinions out there. What's the kind of thing someone should start I suppose, focusing their attention on when it comes to all the amount of advice that's going on. If, you, if you've never used a financial advisor before, what are the some of the red flags that you should be wary of? Yeah, it's a good question, Johnny, looking at myself or Jason on this one. But yeah, it's it's interesting. We're definitely seeing the, the business owner, they've generally got a high trust relationship with their accounting firm. And um and obviously, as businesses grow, the type of solution they're looking at from an accounting perspective can change. Like you might start off with yourself or maybe an employee and a smaller accounting firm might be the fit. But as you, as you grow and develop more structure in your business, uh, staffing, maybe managers, 
um, then you, your need in, from that perspective might change. Um, yeah, we're, we're definitely seeing people, as as Jason mentioned earlier, is people's needs change. And, and nowadays we probably want a bit more than our previous generation. You know, we might want the holiday house. We might want to own our business premise, um, those sorts of things. We might want private school. So there's a lot of additional things. I know, you know my daughter's just had her braces set up, and Olivia, if you're listening, you're not going to like me saying it, but but that's all extra expenditure that maybe in years gone by where we didn't have the same level of health care and so forth, um, they're expenses we didn't have. So there's definitely a much more complex landscape, and we're definitely finding that that people with those complex needs probably need a lot more advice um, and, and accountability behind it too. It's one thing to provide advice and give direction, but but if it's not proceeded with and not pr- proceeded with in full, um, that, you know, that's when people can run into some, some problems. With regards to the type of advice that a business like yours is able to provide, I think there's a bit of a myth out there that it's all about superannuation or it's all about just managing the super fund that's been gifted to somebody or granted to someone from their initial employment. There's so much more to a financial strategy over the long term than superannuation, isn't there, Jason? Can you talk about some of the other vehicles and methods that might be of use to people over time? Yeah, sure, John. And it's a valid point you raise. The challenge nowadays there is there's ample information in the marketplace. And how do the investors navigate through that information to decipher what's relevant for them in terms of their objectives compared to what the current hype might be or the current trend might be? And superannuation historically provided a a very effective vehicle to accumulate wealth over a period of time. Uh, And that process still exists and superannuation is still a very valid uh, way of accumulating wealth. But there are other ways too outside of superannuation through alternative investment schemes, through private equity arrangements, by investing into other businesses directly if that's an option available to the marketplace. And it comes back to the point made at the beginning. It really comes down to what the investor is seeking and what the investor is prepared to do in order to keep the course, stay on track and get to the goal they're trying to achieve. Yeah, it's a good point there, Jason. I mean, We've noticed with superannuation, John, that the superannuation contribution caps, particularly in relation to getting a, a tax deduction, um, the caps have been reduced. So in previous years that we've experienced, uh, our clients were able to claim up to $100,000 per individual uh, as a tax deductible contribution each year. But that's been reduced over recent years and it's been around the, the level of 25000 the last probably three or four years now. So uh, for, th- for those that are on above ad- average incomes, there is an ability to make that contribution. And there's been some new rules brought in in recent years where you can actually put in a contribution with after-tax money. So previously for, for employees, you weren't able to do that and... Uh, it was something available just for self-employed people. So that's a contribution now that we're actually able to make each year. But there's also a um, a bring forward rule that if people have missed some of their $25,000 cap, they can actually make a catch-up contribution. I was playing golf the other day and I had a gentleman say, you know, Rodney, I've got $50,000 to invest. Where would you invest it? And so we spoke briefly about investment options, but then I, we spoke about more strategy and Apparently, he went back to his advisor and um, his super fund and looked to make a catch-up contribution where he can claim a tax deduction against his wage. So 
I think in that in that example, there was potential for him to save around ten thousand dollars over two financial years in in tax. Uh, that will come back in his tax return, and then he said, "Oh, I could top that up in superannuation as well." You've got to be careful about the level of um, information you provide playing golf, but um, but it was something for him definitely to follow up and get some advice from you know the people that that are there for him for that purpose. But um, but yeah, so things are definitely opening up. But but with those caps, it it has made it harder for maybe the higher income earners, um, be them professionals or or out in the mines or, or business owners, superannuations probably become a little bit limited. So they're definitely looking for alternative assets, as Jason mentioned, like private equity or other alternative investment options, but also structures like family trusts, um, corporate beneficiaries and that sort of thing. So we're definitely seeing a lot more of that with our business clients that are, are looking for investments across mul- multiple structures, um, which is pretty exciting. And you start somewhere and it can end somewhere else too. It creates other opportunities, um, things like self-managed super funds. You know, you can invest in direct properties and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, it's a very diverse and interesting, um, you know, financial world out there for sure. Can't really take my mind off the idea of getting financial advice on the golf course. I think uh, 18 holes of advice could be an interesting um day to have with your clients one day so maybe we'll chat about that in another podcast one of the things i want to explore a bit further is this question of is financial advice right for me and i can make i guess you can draw pretty clear parallels with business owners or people approaching retirement or say in their 40s and 50s where they're trying to accumulate their wealth but if i was in my 20s and just starting out and and i was posed that question is financial advice right for me Jason, how would you answer someone like that and give them that, I guess, that guidance that, you know, there's, there's something there that, that can be done to, to steer them in the right direction? I think, John, it really comes down to having meaningful dialogue with the investor or the client in regard to trying to identify what it is they're really wanting uh, and bridging that gap between where they are currently financially, if that's the uh, subject matter at hand, compared to where they're trying to grow uh, go. So... Building that bridge is, is critical and you can only build that bridge if you're having meaningful, ongoing discussions. And the point that Roddy just made in regards to all the relevant matters in the marketplace, it is a changing field every and each time. For example, I'm led to believe there's over 20,000 different financial products out in the marketplace. So how do you navigate that field in regard to what's appropriate for me? And you can only really try and navigate that once you start to sit down and have some meaningful discussion around where you are and where you're trying to get to. 20,000 products. That's a fair bit of Googling to do, isn't it? If you're sitting there one night on your couch watching, you know, the whatever's, whatever's hot in the local TV, um, that's, a, that's a fair bit of reading to do to do your research. I mean, this is, this is in part why getting financial advice from people who know the game, I think, is so important. Um, like you said before, there's so many structures, whether it's investments, businesses, super, shares, or heck, Swiss watches, you know, whatever you, wherever you want to park your money. Um, I think getting that, that advice and sharing that with someone who knows the market when there's 20,000 plus all those other options out there, I think that sounds really smart. Um, this idea of advice being meaningful and ongoing, I think, is an important one too, because how many people out there or, or how often are you finding people want to come and have that one-stop shop or that one 
sort of silver bullet that's going to solve the problem when really what you're saying is, you know, some of these things really need to be played out over years and, and monitored as as situations evolve. Um, I, I'm interested in hearing your thoughts or I guess maybe even some case studies on some people who may have started young but stuck with you over that time and you've created some really, some really interesting success stories out of it. Yeah, there, there are ample examples that you can share in the marketplace in regard to client experiences. Um, one that springs to mind is... Uh, there's a client that we know and have actually conversed with over a period of time and the better part of 15 years and they've gone from a portfolio with a sum in mind and they've actually achieved significantly more and beyond their expectation. Three reasons that actually happened. Firstly, a strategy was implemented. Secondly, they stuck to that strategy. But thirdly and very importantly, they continue the dialogue with the advisor. So there's always this phone call or meeting or catch up or discussion in regard to what are the options out there? Are we still on track? Are you still satisfied with the current strategy and the tactics being used? Uh, and if so, uh, is the time frame in question still a valid time frame? Uh, and they're important parts of the overall discussion. Not just so much where do you invest the money, but why you invest the money in that particular way. And as Rodney mentioned earlier, what's the underlying strategy behind that approach? And that's critical. I think, Jason, just in relation to that, I think the challenges that we've faced with COVID and the challenges of, I guess, meeting face-to-face is through the review period, the last, I don't know, six months or so, I've noticed that clients, and if maybe there there was a, a bit more of a gap between uh, conversations, especially face-to-face, I can see that clients have really missed that. That, that engagement and dialogue? I'd agree, Rod. And I think there was a lot of talk out in the marketplace. It's a new world. People won't need to be face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Corporates won't exist in their corporate head office. And Zoom will replace what we know as being face-to-face. But over a period of time, uh, I'm sure you can vouch for your own experience. If you're not conversing, if you're not thinking, and if you're not considering what the options are available to you, are you really on track? Yeah, and sometimes people just want to know that they're doing okay, they're, they're doing mm. fine. And we saw that, that big stock market uh, dip l- last year and, you know, we, we use a diversified um, level of investments in terms of asset classes, so you don't have all your eggs in the one basket. But but certainly people want to know that, you know, even with that short-term um, valuation drop with different shares and so forth, that, that they're actually still on the right path. And we, we found that most people came through that scenario fine and we, we actually had a lot of investors wanting to either switch out of more passive investments and go into, you know, those growth assets and and also put in additional cash. And, and we've seen that response from COVID too. We're seeing inflation, you know, we're speaking to our producer today about the cost of of things like uh, cameras and microphones and stuff with the the lack of silicon out there and it's a funny world at the moment um a world where we're seeing inflation for the first time in a long time and there's definitely been a push towards investing and investing in growth assets and i really feel that there's a bit of a divide out there at the moment um jason and in terms of the haves and have nots and it's a real shame you know we probably thought with covid that we're all being equalised. We've all got to stay at home and work at home and bring up our kids. And and whether or not you were multi-millionaires or billionaires or whether or not you were you're living on the on the breadline, well, we thought we're all a bit the same for a while. But as we've come out of this COVID scenario and still managing it, 
there's definitely a growing divide. So, you know, I guess that's where John, um, firms like us, and, and even we talk about multidiscipline, you know, solicitors, accountants, our mortgage brokers and real estate agents, we're all a pretty important part of developing, growing people's wealth and, and managing it successfully. Do you think, Rodney, that divides occurred because people have lost sight of what they're trying to get to? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I, I think people have had to perhaps switch a little bit in terms of what they're looking to achieve as well. Like, I know, I know, for example, yourself, you enjoy your overseas travel, but that's currently been taken away from you. So, you know, the question for you is, do you, do you just wait? Do you save for a rainy day in terms of travel or do you start to refocus your your recreation or your lifestyle around opportunities within Australia um, as a replacement. So, yeah, it definitely changes the the playing field. And I guess if you're not getting advice or or running these issues past people, then you could probably get yourself into a bit of a financial pickle too. Um, there's no doubt we're seeing growth in properties and, and share prices and so forth, but is that going to happen year in, year out? The reality is it's probably not. So we just want to make sure that clients or, or people in the community are, are thinking about what, what debt they're taking on board at the moment because there is a, a little bit of uncertainty out there still. Rodney, let's talk about that uncertainty a little bit that you've just brought up. Again, I, I want to cut back to this idea that there's so much information out there at the moment, this digital world, Facebook, Warriors, you know, investment TV shows, more podcasts, radio shows, you know, everyone seems to be a, an expert. Um, and even when they do listen to an expert, they're still getting the opinion of their unqualified expert family members or friends. I suppose it just throws into focus this idea that it really pays to do your research and be knowledgeable. And, and you know, what kind of things would you say to someone about what you guys can provide in a sense that, um, well, not just you guys, but investment advisors like yourselves who are across the products and the topics, you know, what's the type of thinking that goes into that and behind that in the in, in the delivery of the advice that you 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 have to share with people yeah it, it's funny i'm thinking about property when you you're mentioning some of these areas and i i think your professionals in the background again let, let's say it's your, your bank manager you know if you've you've got a manager or, or a broker more at a retail space but if you've got an idea and it's a bit off track well the broker or the bank will actually raise that issue too. Um, you know, when you, you go to apply for your lending, you, you might have some issues surrounding, you know, your length of employment or how long you've been in business or your, your profitability. Um, nowadays, the banks are a lot fussier in terms of people's budgets and the inflow and outflow of, of income. And, and also if, you know, you've missed payments on a credit card or a mortgage, things like that. So, Whilst there is a lot of growth at the moment and there is a lot happening in terms of people buying properties and building and and investing, there's, there's definitely a, a boom time at the moment, but there are checks and balances there. And we, we see, saw the Banking Royal Commission, um, we've, we've seen the financial services sector go through a lot of regulation changes. So there are a lot of checks and balances out there as well. So And how would your firm and your staff prepare for that or, or I guess get themselves um, into a situation where you can provide sound advice because you know you've done the research. What kind of things are you guys doing behind the scenes to put yourselves ahead of those type of challenges? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think having good professionals around you as well, like be it solicitors or accountants, brokers, 
So we probably see our role as being more of a specialist rather than being too general. We, we don't offer um, broking services for lending and, and that sort of thing. So we, we like the idea of having, you know, independent experts, you know, oversee the work that we do as well. So, you know, we're happy to recommend strategies, but, you know, often we'll, we'll discuss a strategy with an accountant. Uh, we had one recently where a client's built up a surplus in their, their company and looking to either invest those funds in their company or maybe distribute them out to another um, tax structure or, or entity. And, you know, we made the call through to the accounting firm and, you know, mentioned to them some of the ideas or goals the client had and, you know, gave the accountant an opportunity to give their view and, and then we'll probably go back to that client again and, and talk to them a bit more about what they're really looking for, giving them some verbal options. And then from there, we can put it in writing. And, and in, in, our, um, in our field, we've got our own Australian Financial Services Licence. So um, we need to provide advice in writing in, in terms of a statement of advice or a um, statement of additional advice. So that's kind of the legal term, I guess. But... But, um, yeah, it's really important to be, I guess, to look wide. Um, if we look a bit too narrow, then that's where you'll go and pro- provide a recommendation. Then the accountant will say to the client, well, gee, you didn't really run it past me. Your advisor didn't get in touch either. We think it's off track. And so, then- so a collaborative approach really is, is a good way, you know, not, not channeling everything through the one area which might be the accountant traditionally you know working with an accountant understanding the situation and um and you know making it a bit of a diverse diverse having some diverse views to to bring to it yeah definitely john it's definitely important to um i guess go down that path and it just makes it a bit smoother and helps a client achieve what they're looking to and and it creates a better relationship across the the different professions as well um and that's where we've set ourselves up to be able to deal with external accounting groups and solicitor firms and 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 banks as well and and that's the way things have been going for a long time i think the days of one professional thinking they can provide the one-stop shop they're probably over aren't they jace oh, well and truly over and i think it just highlights the point rodney that every personal professional comes to the table with a certain skill set and a certain way of experience and marrying those two with the client's objectives in mind is very, very important. And there's an old saying out in the marketplace, uh, no one's an island until their own, and uh, that's probably true in regard to professional advice and professional services. Uh, but it does highlight the point too, always returning back to the fundamentals in regard to what's driving the decision, what's influencing the actions, and what's keeping the client on track in regard to where, where they are and where they're trying to get to. Excellent, guys. I think that's been a pretty good start to the podcast series. Certainly interesting discussions there from any number of hats, whether you're young and starting out or whether you're, again, looking at retirement soon or you're a business owner or or anyone in between just with an interest. Just in closing, I want to just touch on some of the type of things that we we're hoping to, to cover as this series progresses. So we've we've got a range of topics here that um, I, I think will provide lots of lots of content and lots of interest for, for anyone listening in. Things like how might I become financially smarter as a, as a small business owner, or what does financial stress typically look like, and how can I avoid it? Uh, things like decluttering your portfolio or specialised tips for business owners. Um, there may even be some special guests along the way. So for anyone who's listening who's interested in 
having more of these discussions one-on-one, we would recommend you touch base with your financial advisor or your financial planner or your accountant and ask them for someone to talk to. But if you did want to talk to Rodney and Jason directly, you can contact these guys through their website. It's simple as ropan.com.au. That's R-O-P-A-N.com.au. They have their fingers across the country. They have customers in, in all parts of the country. But again, we don't want to limit you to your options. Any financial advice is good advice to start with and as you start getting closer to understanding what your goals are and getting more specialised advice, maybe Ropan's the guys for you. But in, in any case, hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Look forward to producing some more for you guys and having some more conversations and I wish you all well. We hope you have enjoyed this podcast. Please note that the advice discussed in this podcast may not necessarily be suitable to you because it contains general advice that has not been tailored to your personal circumstances. We ask that you please seek personal financial advice prior to acting on this information. To find out more about what was discussed in this podcast or to seek advice, we encourage you to contact the friendly staff at Ropan Financial Services by visiting www.ropan.com.au or referring to the notes in the description.